right now. Yeah, sorry, it keeps me, it keeps dropping me. Um, um, it just, just another topic. Do you, do you have the same situation? Whenever you talk, you know, anti-Russian, you get trolls uh, uh, coming into your account and you know, observing you. Is it, uh, uh, is it really ubiquitous, or uh, is it just my case? No, they, I, if I can say, they, they. <laughs> They really come, yeah, and uh, and uh, I deal with them. I on Twitter, I uh, find the things I can report, and then uh, I block them. And but but it's a crazy work, so there are so many. But some I, I just uh, report, and and I have actually Twitter is quite uh, active right now, uh, uh, sending me the re reported and and that they have. Uh, seen this and they have uh, blocked this person out from Twitter. So it's working if you just want to do a little bit of work. Thank you. Yeah, because if I was Twitter, I'd like to know what the IPs are. You know, back before I found the Walter Report, I, I was I was a, a much angrier person on YouTube and I interacted much more regularly with the uh, Russian trolls. But I, I will say uh, I haven't really had any direct interaction with them on Twitter. But, uh, you know, I, I personally don't think it's super productive. Uh, they're, they're there basically to waste time. And uh, I don't know. The, the simplest way to deal with most Russian nonsense is just to focus on your own thing and, like, kind of just leave them in the dust. And then they just go, oh, crap. Like, he completely ignored our whole plan. And now we wasted all of our time instead of wasting his time. You know what I mean? It's sort of like that. Yeah, kind of and, and block them. And block them if you, yeah. Yes. And uh, if they are Finnish... As a Finnish person, I I really need to get them out from my space because uh, I have put myself in a, a situation where I need to be really uh, careful. Uh, no, no, but but yeah. I kind of kind of got, got engaged and uh, for, for some time to see what they're bringing up, and it's it's a total crap. Uh, yeah, waste of time. Yeah, waste of time. So uh, so I think you're right. Just leave it in the dust. Yeah, it can be but, fun to like try to like. 3D chess them and like you know like beat them on their own terms and be like yeah like it's crazy like Europe's gonna send all the Nazis to kill you it's like it's so sad you know like you can sort of mess with them but uh, it's not really worth it <laughs> it's well, well yeah, the, I think it's, there's the, more productive the, things to do yeah I just, I, I just have uh, one more thing I, I I've been you know there was a the, a month ago I think there was a um, we could be sending SMSs to certain uh, uh, telephone numbers. It was uh, given by a kind of uh, uh, web page that you could uh, you could send some information to um, random people in in Russia. Uh, I did that too, and I got received very different messages from well from none to like we're coming back to teach you soon uh, uh, to Poland too. So uh, uh, that was funny. Uh, but it, it it kind of shows uh, how the propaganda has changed the uh, uh, the, the, the the thinking uh, of uh, of of those Russians there. So uh, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I just don't want to go on with uh, 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 with my other issues on that. But but this is this is how they think. Yeah. So um, uh, we we need to get rid of this. Well, yeah, they're for sure. yeah, oh, they're, yeah, they're spreading uh, very actively right now. Uh, I have seen on Facebook the uh, the useful idiots and and 
the paid ones I, I I can see and they are really doing a lot of work right now so uh, uh, I see them more active and I have been following this trend uh, at least two years now and uh, didn't really know act, uh, like where this is going and of course it was going to this uh, Ukrainian war so uh, yeah it's continuing at least it's in Finland we can see it really clearly and I think like in the communist time, it was like ideologically coherent, right? There was like this idea that like you, they built their propaganda around communist ideology. This new propaganda and this new like trolling is just like, just try literally everything and see what sticks, right? It's just like, uh, you know, it's almost like they just spin a wheel that day and they're just like, I don't know, bio labs. I don't know, NATO expansion. I don't know. You know, it's just like spaghetti yeah. on the wall. And what sticks, sticks, right? Like what successful manages to propagate through the disinformation space and what isn't just dies in the, in the disinformation space. And I think you, know, you have just discovered stuff. what's in the brain of Putin. No, guys, there's like much smarter people that do this stuff than me. I think there's uh, what Molly, uh, Molly McKim, I think is her name or something. She, uh, there's uh, on the YouTube channel, there's a really good lecture by Molly McKim uh, who came on the space and she studies Russian disinformation. It was really good. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I think that's, you know, that's kind of the general idea here, right? It's like just like a spaghetti on the wall approach. What sticks, sticks. Mm -hmm. There's no ideology behind it. There's no like actual honest effort behind it. It's just, it's just there to waste your time. That's like kind of, it's almost unique in that way. It's uniquely oh, time wasting. Yeah, I, I would, I would actually want to push back on that a little bit because, I mean, part of it is that they're trying everything, but you also have to remember that, you know, they are, they are crafting their message for every audience, right? And, you know, to sort of actually try to do it coherently would be a bit difficult. So they sort of, you know, do it by Newtonian approximation, right? Just, you know, throw it at the wall. Oh, that plays well with, you know, these demographics. And, and you know, like they, they, they I mean, they, they, I'm sure they focus group this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, That's a good point. Yeah. There's a design for sure. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm trivializing it a bit. Sorry, go ahead, Nina. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I, I uh, suggest if you are interested to to read about this uh, propaganda, Jessica Aro wrote this book, Putin's Trolls, and you can find it on Amazon. And uh, it's a very good description of how this machinery works. And it, it the aim is Putin's aim has been all the all the time to to um, what is the word when you want to uh, split the society like split Europe and make people argue against each other, other and make chaos uh, as also in in the US because uh, the more chaos there is the easier it's for Putin to to like uh, take control yeah I think a lot of it is just about sowing doubt and, and chaos like you said it's just like I don't know what's right I guess maybe the CIA is behind this you know I don't know um, I'm going to let Imperius go ahead because I think he's got some stuff to say about this. Uh, go ahead, Imperius. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that it's it's a waste of time in as much as that, you know, trying to sort of reason with these people or, or even to a certain extent sort of try to reverse psychology them with their own, you know, strategies a bit um, sort of like it, it leads nowhere, right? Because they're always going to be convinced. But I think you have to remember that a lot of their bluster and trolling is is part of 
you know, the, the old Russian strategy of, of advancing with bayonets fixed and, you know, like keep going if, if you meet mush, right? And what I don't think is a waste of time, but might occasionally veer into violating some of the community guidelines of the lovely platforms that provide us uh, these wonderful services, uh, is, is reminding them that they may very well advance, but we are going to take the bayonet off the end of their rifle and shove it where the sun doesn't shine. Like, I mean, you know, just remind them like, oh, sure. Yeah. You want to do it again? You, you want to, you know, send a horde of, of soldiers across Europe to, to, to murder and pillage? Fine. We have mutually assured destruction for that. Tell them that to their face. Like, like, you know, if, if this is what you want to do, these are the consequences. Treat them like a dog. Like, act, like actually discipline like, them, them, like a puppy, right? Yeah, I think there's certainly something to that. So just a quick housekeeping thing, guys. Uh, we got a full panel here, which is great. Um, I couldn't be more happy, honestly. Uh, but uh, uh, if anyone is uh, doesn't have anything to say right away, uh, if you could hop down to listener, and uh, if you want to hop back up to say anything, uh, I'll be happy to re-add you. But uh, if we could clear a couple slots, if anyone can hop down, I'd appreciate it. Because I actually oh, I would just say one thing, and I would, I would just say oh, one go ahead, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, divide and conquer. This is the uh, Putin's uh, like aim. Divide and conquer. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Maybe. Yeah, Hans, go ahead. Uh, you've been up here for a while. Normally, we, uh, if you could raise your hand in the future, that way we know you've got something to say. But oh, go ahead. sorry. <laughs> I don't know uh, really how this works that I'm doing for the first yeah, time. Yeah, no problem. But, um, go ahead. Sorry. Well, uh, I <clears throat> wanted to add that I, I see this a little bit with a yeah concerning eye because... I uh, realized uh, some weeks ago, for example, um, in the Philippines, where the social media campaign for uh, Marcos, uh, the dictator, which was around in the 80s, and his son now, uh, with the help of social media like TikTok, um, they were able to whitewash this dictatorship. And now he's in charge, or he was elected. And... Um, it's it's really powerful, especially for TikTok. I decided to leave TikTok because it, it has some mental ish uh, impact on my uh, yeah on my mental uh, state. And um, at some point, I had to to delete it because um, yeah, I the the level of stress really raised, and um, that wasn't really uh, good for me. So uh, that was just a little little um, thing I wanted to add to this discussion. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I think, you know, uh, just sort of tangentially on that, sometimes I think this space in particular and just the internet in general can kind of affect people's emotional health. And sometimes, you know, you know, people might need a break. And, you know, it's there's nothing wrong with occasionally taking a break from the space if uh, it, you need to do so for your mental health, right? We'd rather you guys uh, be mentally healthy than constantly on the space side. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Hans. Uh, we'll go to uh, oh, there's I don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure on the order, so I'm going to go to Nick because uh, he hasn't had anything to the conversation yet, and then probably Luca because he just woke up and he he might have something to say, and then uh, after that I'll figure that out. Sorry, sorry, guys. Go ahead, Nick. Um, yeah, this is interesting. The, the 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 disinformation and Russia has I think benefited from. Uh, a, a thing which I think they're probably not involved in, uh, particularly in the United States, which is QAnon. Um, I 
the reason I say I don't think they're involved in that is that QAnon, uh, I think, appears to be run by this like one guy, or is it him and his son or something? And they, they on on eight Chan, eight Khan. I lose track of all these things. Uh, but it seems that like after after January six, he kind of had a bit of a thought and and hasn't been around. And then apparently this week he's been back, but apparently he's been like posting drunk because he's been not posting the crypto codes or the hashtags or, you know, whatever the jargon is of this thing. Uh, but, um, you know, had the Russians been involved in QAnon, I'm sure it would have all been run a bit better. But it, they they did benefit from the fact that 10, I mean, apparently tens of millions of people went in for a story which is essentially even less plausible than the base, the, the sort of base story of Scientology, which involves dropping people from, spaceships that look like dc8s uh into into volcanoes dc3s into volcanoes so um and and uh i mean there are these things are all are all correlated in some way it's a a phenomenon of social media it's a phenomenon of uh of facebook of of people's isolation uh from reality um but i i i wonder if I, i i do have a slight hope that a combination of QAnon clearly having lost a lot of momentum and um, perhaps the the extremely good way in which Congress is handling the January 6th um, uh, hearings will move us towards a situation where uh, the return of a Trump-style presidency uh, is not possible. You know, we might end up with a Republican president with some fairly extreme views, but I think I'm starting to feel, and this is for the first time in, in, in a long time, I'm starting to feel less worried about what happens at the next U.S. election in terms of um, the president being a wholly owned subsidiary of the Kremlin. Uh, but the QAnon thing, I think, is a, uh, must have been just a bonus. I mean, P- Putin must, be, must just piss himself laughing. When he when he reads what some of the QAnon people believe, and and I, as I say, I genuinely think he probably didn't have a hand in that. Otherwise, it would have been, you know, it wouldn't be falling apart like it is, and it wouldn't have fallen apart after January sixth. Yeah, I think those are uh, all good points, Nick. And uh, as an American, I kind of just don't even want to think about the presidential election until it's it's basically happening, or at least uh, leading much closer, leading up to it. But uh, I think what what you're saying is a, a fair analysis. Uh, if we could go to Luca. Uh, and then we'll go to uh, Juha. Uh, sorry, you, Juha, I think it was to be correct. So, uh, Luca, go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Joseph. And hi, Nick. It's always nice to hear when you're on the panel. Uh, we share, like, many ideas here and uh, um, many of the same ideas. Yeah, okay, so regarding misinformation, I'll tell you something more nefarious that happened to me. It's, of course, uh, um, you know, I have no specific evidence uh but like we have a pretty good idea what might have happened to a friend uh, that um actually is a hungarian friend that at the beginning of the war he moved to the border with poland uh, he's uh, um like a um a physician a doctor and uh, he's also always running like some volunteer organizations that's basically what he does you know in his life and uh, when the war started um he was at the border trying you know, to help, uh, uh, you know, people find uh, um, 
you know, uh, where to stay in Poland. He has many, he has an extensive network in Eastern Europe. Uh, and then like also helping them with the medical needs. And then he was using uh, Facebook to post about that. And he was also using WhatsApp to communicate, uh, you know, with the different people. Now, he's also very opinionated guy and politically involved. So at the same time on Facebook, he was posting a lot of like content uh, there was like clearly strongly, uh, you know, against Russia. Now, now everywhere is full of that content, but he was like there from like minute one. That's what you need to understand. Like, you know, in fact, he was already, you know, posting stuff about, uh, you know, he, he had the puck footing, like, you know, uh, uh, logo. And he was doing that like already before, but he strongly intensified, you know, the day of the invasion. And, his account kept on getting blocked. Um, and at some point, they basically shut him down for like um, two months in all of the meta services. He didn't have Messenger. He couldn't uh, post on Facebook and he couldn't use WhatsApp. And effectively, these um, strongly hampered his ability to operate and help. So because I live in the Valley, I have any friends working uh, at Facebook meta. Um, I reached out to them. Some in a relatively high position. And I can tell you that they tried and we tried to get him unblocked and we couldn't. Even inside Facebook, we were not able to get them unblocked. So that clearly showed that Facebook policies or these social media company policies do fail often, right? Um, and there is a suspicion that because his profile was probably prominent enough, um, that maybe some smart, uh, like Russian infiltrator can target those profile with some bots, um, you know, that they would basically start to flag a lot of his posts to trigger Facebook algorithm to kick these people out. Because what, uh, uh, my friend then told me is that another friend of him that also, uh, you know, he's kind of like a social worker or something like that. He went through the same issue. So. Uh, now, it's not just the misinformation now, but we're also talking about direct attack on uh, people that are spreading, you know, some um, some narratives that are that are maybe picking up momentum that are strongly anti-Russian and that are potentially even helping people. And then they might come up in some dashboard and get targeted. And these companies don't have the will, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, basically they don't have the processes to, to deal with that because even the internal route didn't work. So yeah, that's my story I wanted to show. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's a good point, Luca, you know, like Russia is going to be looking for holes in all these systems, right? Be they financial or social media information tools and other tools. So we have to be wary of the holes. Uh, We'll go with uh, John and then Sojo and then Vishnikovsky. I assume that you've got something to say, even though your hands aren't up. But uh, so I have you on the list there. Go ahead, John. Thanks, Joseph. Um, yeah, just to just to rewind a couple of minutes back to Russian disinformation and the various lunatic narratives that they throw at the wall, as as it was described. I mean, the the strategy isn't to try and make people believe what they're saying. It's to pollute the information environment to such an extent that people don't believe anything. So effectively, they're, they're trying to create cynicism and that creates the space and the latitude for them to then tell barefaced lies and deny things that they've just done, which is how you end up with Lavrov being interviewed by the BBC and sitting there saying, we have not invaded Ukraine. 
I mean, you know, it's 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 obvious lunacy, but the intent is to to effectively to madden people, to make them doubt their own sanity, because you can't connect what is coming out of their mouths with observable reality. And that's that's just the strategy. So it's not that they're trying to make you believe what they're saying. It's that they're trying to make you believe nothing. Um, but anyway, that was it. Thanks. Yeah, I completely agree, John. I think that's absolutely right. And uh, sorry, guys, this has always been my nightmare as a host is like so many names and I don't I have no idea what order. Um, I know I, I said Yuha was going to go. So I'm going to do Yuha, yes. Sojo, uh, and then uh, Linda and then Vishnikovsky. And like, just so you guys know, I've been on the other side of this where it's like you thought you were next. and I get shuffle in the order. I know it sucks. So I, I'll, I'll do my best. Sorry. Uh, doing fine. So, yeah, Yuha, go ahead. Thanks. And thanks for pronouncing my name absolutely correctly. It's Yuha, not Juha. Thanks for that. Uh, well, I just want to, uh, before I drop down, to give some space for others. And there's one um, one term which is firehose of falsehood regarding this throwing a bowl of spaghetti on the wall and look what sticks. And that's basically what the what the Russians are doing. That they are just, for example, this uh, case of this shopping mall. First they said it was a Ukrainian rocket. They didn't do it. Then they said that they hit a munition factory uh, nearby and the fire spread. Then they said that uh, they indeed hit the supermarket, but it was uh, long closed. You know, that from the same event, within four, 24 hours, <laughs> they managed to, to spread like completely different stories. And it was just incredible to, to follow what, 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 co- what was coming from there. And they have this firehose of falsehood uh, method, and uh, what they what they put in the firehose are then different things like misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, whatever, and Maskirovka and all these uh, Russian tactics. But there's one what uh, I've noticed quite clearly is uh, it's not necessarily perhaps so important normally military. Uh, or political things, but anyway, it's D A R V O, Darvo. That stands for deny, attack, reverse victim, and offender. So basically, they say no, it wasn't us, and instead you did it. This and we are the victim, and this is the baseline of the whole uh, Russian uh, sort of campaign, as I see that they they try to put themselves in the position of a victim. And a victorious victim, you know, that uh, although the whole Western world is against us, we still are big Russia and we uh, beat the shit out of them. Oh, sorry. And then if, uh, for example, if they then leave Snake Island, it's just because of their goodwill and, and so on. So this, this Darbo, it, you can Google it. That's uh, uh, pretty clearly the, uh, about the basic attitude of the, of the Russians. And Rand uh, Corporation has published a nice piece with the name The Russian Firehose of Falsehood Propaganda Model, Why It Might Work and Options to Counter It. And uh, it's a longish, uh, longish text about it, but it's, I think it's worth, worth reading. So what, what is it about and, and how we can deal with it? So uh, if no questions to my side, then I'll drop down in short. Thank you. I'd like to quickly jump in and ask you, Yuha, would you please, um, uh, thank you, Joseph, Uh, would you please, I'm sorry for just jumping in like this, I hate it when other people do it, Um, Uh, I apologise. It's okay, you're forgiven, go ahead. 
you uh, um, uh, would you would you mind please uh, posting a, a link on your on your profile mm, to that text? Uh, I would uh, enjoy reading it. Uh, on my profile. Hmm. Uh, you mean in, or, or, uh, in Twitter? A tweet. Yeah, tweet. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I will. Yeah, I'll do it. Good idea. Thank Thanks. You. Thank you. Yeah, um, um, I, I was actually going to, to, to talk about the fire hose of misinformation or, or falsehood. Uh, and and, uh, and uh, in agreement with John, it is, it is really used to sort of discombobulate people. Um, but it, it has uh, multiple functions, I think. Um, partly to just completely fry people's brains. They don't know what the, you know, they, they have no idea what the truth is. Um, and partly uh, also so that, you know, I don't, I guess, I don't know, um, that, that, uh, that some people sort of latch on to one of the stories and say, okay, well, that's good enough for me. <laughs> that's what, that's what I'm going to believe in because my brain can't take all, all, all of these uh uh, um, sort of opposing um, narratives, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, but I think John, uh, you had a good, great point there with the, with the whole sort of discombobulation. And, and thank you for putting up with me for just uh, uh, jumping in there. Thank you. Thank you, Sergio. We'll go to uh, Linda next. Go ahead, Linda. Hi. Yeah, I'm gonna Google that Rand uh, article too. So um, yeah, great. That's that's perfect. Um, I wanted. I just wanted to jump in a little bit there, uh, a little bit earlier. There was a conversation about uh, fighting back with the um, uh, the liars, the you know the aggressors, the trolls, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I also hate to jump in, but I, I, before I leave, I just want to say I, I posted the link on my Twitter profile. Sorry for interrupting. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, for know. our audience, uh, you know, Juha mentioned uh, a uh, an article that he's. Uh, so if it, you just want to click on his name right now, he's in the speaker panel, and uh, you can see this article that was discussed uh, earlier. Uh, thanks, Juha. Can, can I say something? Uh, something that they taught me: if you go on your tweet and then you hit the arrow up that says share. You can while while you're a speaker only while you're a speaker you can add it to uh, um, you know the top nest. It's pretty easy. Just the arrow to share, like you would send it to a friend. But you'll see while you're a speaker, um, it will say um, you know add it to Miriam the uh, Walter report. So it's something I didn't know. They taught me how to do, and it's pretty cool. Thank you. Thanks. And we tend, to, we tend to appreciate if people ask us before, because if we have too many things in the nest, then it tends to be an issue for the space. And now I started all the interruptions to Linda. I wish to, uh, that she doesn't get fed up. Oh, that's yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Linda. No, that's okay. This was important. Um, no, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, um, the idea of fighting back. Um, there are... Um, times and situations where fighting back is indeed necessary. But there are other times. In other words, you know, that's not the only response uh, that's appropriate. Uh, because there are other situations where uh, the opposite is needed. In other words, an undermining other than um, fighting. So uh, when it's necessary, then yes. But there are other options like humiliating people, uh, ridiculing uh, I, the idea of laughing at people, um, basically uh, delegitimizing um, ideas and falsehoods 
etc. You know, false ideologies, etc. Um, fighting means that you are taking it tends to legitimize get them in a fight, whereas if you just dismiss them, you deny them standing. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I really don't, you know, want, I really have a problem with Macron, etc. You know, ne- quote negotiating, unquote. You know, with with Putin, it legitimizes him. He needs to be delegitimized, and this um, imperialist Russian ideology, culture, whatever, right, needs to be delegitimized. Uh, in you know, in other words, you know, this is you know, grow up. This is not how we do things here, right? Be better, right? Um, anyway, so that that's basically my comment. I think we have a tendency as, as a culture to fall into this, you know, social hierarchy way of thinking that everything ends up being a zero sum, you know, win-lose. Well, uh, not, not everything fits that profile. And sometimes it's much more... Um, productive to take the opposite way and basically not give somebody standing at all, ignore them, laugh at them, whatever, basically, you know, get out of my face. You know, you don't belong in my face, in my space. You know, what, do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Like satire and ridicule are important tools against authoritarian regimes because yeah. it's difficult for them to appropriate the act as you know, anything except uh, being made fun of, which is something that the regime doesn't want. So, you know, if you commit violence against them, then that can be used by their propaganda machine. But if you make fun of them, it's difficult for them to use that type of material. Um, Of course, that being said, right now, Ukraine needs weapons, give them everything they need to violently resist. And I understand you're, you're of course, not saying that we don't, but I just want to make it clear to our audience. Uh, Okay, so we've got a lot of hands, so I'm going to keep it moving, guys. we're going to go ahead and go to Rahel and then uh, Imperius. Uh, Rahel, go ahead. Oh, okay. I guess we lost Rahel maybe. Uh, so we'll go to Imperius and then we'll go. To... Go ahead, Nick. Or sorry, Imperius. Go ahead. Imperius. Sorry. Yeah, I was uh, going to make a point um, about demoralization uh, and its sort of use by the Kremlin uh, sort of denude people's capacity for moral reasoning through like the tide of misinformation but i believe uh we've already covered that uh pretty soundly okay thanks and uh we'll go so, we got so, back so we'll go so i guess help. um i should i should make a quick uh point of order um since it, it is your first time co-hosting uh, occasionally we do get a bug uh where the co-host won't actually see requests so um, if you have requested the mic and uh you're sort of waiting down in listener limbo uh, feel free to send me, Axel, or Joseph a DM, and we'll try to figure out uh, another way to bring you up. Yeah, send send Axel or, or him. I'm, I'm hosting. I'm busy. <laughs> but uh, I'll do my best. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to check my DMs. Uh, but yeah, I, I appreciate it. I'm curious. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so we got Rahel back. Go ahead, Rahel. Hi, everyone. Um, Joseph, thank you so much for joining the co-host team. You do an excellent job. Um, can I hey, just... Thanks. Can I just mention something about Maria A? You know, absolutely. I try, I've been trying to do it every hour, and I completely uh, <laughs> lost it because uh, so many uh, want people want to speak. Thank you so much, Rahel. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I wanted to encourage everyone to a um, follow Maria Aid. Um, that's the organization that works with Walter Report. Um, 
for us it's perfect um to donate um to ukraine 100 percent of our money goes directly to ukraine and if you could yeah give maria aid a follow that will be great um i think it's the second post in the nest from maria aid and um they are actually doing a new initiative um for i guess um 30000 no yeah 30000 dollars to um raise money for turner kids and if we could um share and retweet this tweet that would be great and effective i think oh thank you sorry for my english no, that was great, and we really do appreciate it, Rahel. That's uh, a great point, and uh, we should be—I should be mentioning Maria Aid a little bit more than I am. You did—you did a great job uh, explaining current fundraiser tourniquets. Very important, and Maria Aid does a great job uh, delivering tourniquets to soldiers on the front line. So, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, so, we go to Nick next. Go ahead, Nick. Just uh, it, something popped in my mind when what Sojo said, um, it, and, and in the absence of Tom, who would give you a um, a, a better view on this. I, I suppose I have to uh, pretend to be a proper psychologist for two minutes. But uh, if you think about it, if you had, if you met somebody uh, who was explaining something they'd done or something that had happened and in the space of five minutes, they said, uh, well, um, you know, I, I, I never hit him and it was self-defense and I was in another county at the time, uh, you know, and the same person said all of those things within either a few minutes or certainly within your your memory span you would be kind of looking at the guy and going okay okay i've met people like you before uh so the the interesting question becomes why do people uh why are people not applying that logic to uh the successive lies of uh of russia or in, in many cases their own politicians but let's take russia for now um, and I'm not certain why it is. In some cases, it will be that they perhaps don't realize that Russia has come up with, let's say, you know, six excuses for, let's say, the shopping center attack. And I mean, you know, there, there are as many examples you can give. Um, and in, 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 in those situations, you know, perhaps when we're dealing with these people, we can gently, you know, collect a little bit of evidence and say, well, they said this and then they said this and then they said this. So if they've had to come up with four stories, how likely is it that any of them is right? Um, it, but it also, um, it, it's more complicated. That, that's, that's a certain kind of list. We will say, oh, okay, I hadn't realized that. I hadn't realized they changed their story four times yet. Um, but um, in, uh, when you go beyond that, and they're still, um, it's a little bit more difficult. And, and you have, you know, you're dealing with people who are often acting in bad faith. And uh, those people, tend to be harder to convince and i'm not quite sure what we can do i'm interested if if, if other people have ideas as i say if tom was here of, of uh how you get to people who are in you know i mean we're not talking about the people who are the committed putin fans but um you know the people like sojo says you know the people who are just so confused uh the people who and there's a lot of young people now who, who they are you know, pro-Russia or anything, but they've decided that everybody lies all the time, everybody's equally bad, uh, and they're sort of unable to uh, distinguish between the sort of systematic uh, approach of, of, of Russia and you know, politicians who occasionally spout bullshit. 
So yeah, it's it, it's difficult, but I would have thought there are ways that we can that we can do that. Uh, it's a question also of how much how confrontational you want to get with individuals. We can probably put a good case together on Twitter, but the person won't be listening to us. But when it's friends and family, it's it, it's hard. So these things are, are yeah. I, 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 Tom, are you there? <laughs> I need you. Ground control to Major Tom, right? Um, so uh, Sojo's back up, so I'm going to give her a chance to respond to that. And uh, then I think John maybe had something to say about it. So uh, we'll go with Sojo. Go ahead, Sojo. Thank you. Yes, I see I see John with his hand up. He's far more eloquent than I am. So I, I'd like to, to cede my, uh, uh, my, my place. Sojo, that's very kind, but please go ahead, because I, I was going to ask a, a different Okay, thank you. Um, I'm sorry, Nick. I, I missed. I missed the the, the very beginning uh, uh, of of what you were saying. Um, uh, um, I really apologise. Would you just repeat the the the, the very sort of beginning, the introduction? Hmm. To, to, what, to, what, to I your... was, what I said was that if you if you had an individual who, in the space of you know who who get and you who gave four or five successive reasons for what happened, all of which were obviously mutually contradictory. Um, we all, I think, we've all known people like that in our lives. Maybe we don't spend too much time with them once we've discovered what they're like. But there are people out there like that. We would kind of get a fairly. Most of us would fairly quickly get a pretty good handle on. Okay, this person is completely untrustworthy, and after you know two or three rounds of that, we would just stop stop listening to what they say and just assume they're lying and if they're not it doesn't even matter so how do we get to that point uh or how do we help people get to that point of understanding that that's what russia that what russia is doing is in effect you know being this kind of uh dog at my it, it, it's sort of the dog at my homework in 10 kinds of ways how do we go about um helping people to understand that it is Russia, Russia is consistently lying, Russia is consistently changing their story, and consistently changing your story is something you do because you don't have, you know, because you're lying. Well, that was the... Uh, yeah, I see. Okay, I'm with you. Um, so what, what, you're, what, you're, what you're describing, really, is gaslighting. Um, and uh, as Imperius... Um, uh, I'll quote Imperius. Uh, he wrote to me in in, in, in a direct message. Um, this this sort of like fire hose of, of falsehood is like an institutionalized gaslighting, right? So I, I'm not sure it's so simple to 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 recognise straight away. I mean, there's so many people that are gaslit all the time, and then they realise after many years, oh my God, it wasn't me that was crazy. <laughs> this person was a psychopath. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't personally have any solutions for it. And I also wish Tom was here, but, but I think it, it is quite complex, but perhaps just pointing out, as you said yourself, the fact that there are, have been so many different answers to this one question, uh, the question of, for example, <clears throat> what happened uh, to the shopping mall that there has been so many different narratives. Just pointing that out may may well help to to sort of introduce someone to okay, this this is the you know this is the truth and here's the evidence. Look at this and look at that. But but yeah, I think it's quite complicated. Really, at the end of the day, we need Tom. Yeah, we definitely need Tom. But I think also you know maybe like future proofing, right? Like to say, for example, when the United States said Russia is going to invade Ukraine, they have an evil plan to do it, and 
Russia said, no, we're not. And then they did, right? Like that future warning and then it happening, like that can be pretty powerful, like, like preempting. I mean, we see that Ukrainian intelligence say that a lot. Like there's right now they're saying there might be a false flag provocation at a nuclear plant because that's one way to fight Russian misinformation is to call it out before it happens. But uh, so CJ, well, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's, 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 known, that's known in the trade as pre-bunking. The problem is that if you're going to pre-bunk something, you have to be pretty accurate about it. So we've had, and I must say we have had since the start of the war, lots of stories about how Russia is planning this and this and this and this false flag operation, and they didn't happen. So uh, it's a two-edged sword. If you're going to do that kind of thing, you have to be pretty sure that it's likely to happen. And the problem, of course, is if you get good enough at it, they'll cancel it and then go, well, we never had any intention of doing it. So even these, yeah, these things get complicated. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a double-edged sword for sure. So uh, I think uh, CJ outranks like a ranger and he, he outranges me because uh, he has artillery. So I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him go. Uh, go ahead, CJ. No, no thank, thank you, Joseph. And uh, thanks for, for hosting as well. Just, uh, you know, in the news the other day, I CJ, saw. CJ, where is Doman? <laughs> where is Doman? That's a good question. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. No, so in the news, um, you may have seen it that in Germany, there was a, um, a Nazi concentration camp prison guard at 101 that was, I believe, sentenced to uh, a long time in jail. But, you know, probably not that long because he's 101. And so it, it made me think, well, you know, when we take our criminal justice classes at West Point and sort of talk about prisoners of war, we talk about war crimes, you know, the difference between, you know, upholding the standard and then, you know, prosecuting those that have committed crimes for either deterrence or for justice, right? I know right now we all want justice, um, you know, pretty strongly for Ukraine and for, you know, uh, all the war crimes that Russia's committing. But I think in the end, in the long term, you know, deterrence is more powerful because this is something that might take a long time to, to prosecute, right? We may we don't want this. I want to be clear. This is not ideal, but since Ukraine is never going to invade Russia, you know, there would be no reason to, you know, when the Russian regime goes through a, a dramatic overhaul 50 years in the future and these commanders are also almost 100, you know, this is why it's so important now and social media is so great to document all of it, regardless of whether or not we can actually put these people in jail like they deserve. You know, at the very least, we will be ready for when that day comes when that opportunity arises, when, you know, Russia internally changes dramatically, like it has to and will, but it'll just be a long time. So I just want to keep that in mind that, you know, some people feel like it's helpless. Like, why are we even talking about the mall strike or anything else if we can't actually do anything about it? And I would just say, hey, you, you don't know when that day is coming. So you want to be completely ready. Thanks, CJ. I think that's uh, important what you said. You, did you have something you wanted to add? It's not just important. It's 100% on. Yeah, I mean, uh we have to 100 percent. yeah we have to you got to remember something uh, right now the stories are from their side you know or those dissidents aren't coming out but there's you know there will be a time where that will change everything is recorded for posterity um and obviously this will be one of the <clears throat> a training it'll be a training lesson uh, moving forward for most modern armies some cases i'm absolutely what not to do but no, definitely, I 100% concur with CJ that, um, you know, if people are like, what are we talking about certain things for? We're at the forefront of uh, of the first time that this kind of social media has impacted a modern war in Europe, obviously. Um, it's never happened before, and the ramifications are going to go long 
compete for a very long time. I'm pretty sure. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, Imperius, did you have anything you wanted to add to this? You know what? I completely forgot what I was going to say, so you can skip me over until I can uh, pull it back out of the databanks. No worries. Uh, so Madeline's been very patient. Uh, go ahead, Madeline. Um, that would, it, it would be a nice test if you have people in one room Always with one, um, if you uh, with always the same um, information, and in the other room you put people with the other information, and you keep feeding them with some information, and then try to uh, um, get those people with the wrong information to convince them that it's wrong. I would like to know how they will would uh, react to that and that would be a nice test i think yeah so i think earlier we were talking about misinformation so i think you're maybe proposing an experiment here and uh you know i haven't done i i'm not super familiar with the research on uh, misinformation but i'm sure uh there is some out there uh we had a uh guest speaker molly mckim i think is her name uh she spoke about uh, russian misinformation specifically but I think uh, I would maybe point you to her work just because uh, I know that she's uh, spoken on the space before. So uh, thanks for your input. Thank uh, you. Uh, anyone else, uh, CJ, do you have anything? Uh, I actually had an artillery question for you. Sir. Well, why else am I around? I know, right? I'm the host. I can ask you artillery questions whenever I want. Uh. So uh, now, as far as I understand, maybe I'm wrong, but a uh, friend of the show, uh, the the journalist who comes on a lot, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot, uh, Victor, uh, he said that uh, the attack on Snake Island was done by a Ukrainian artillery piece. Uh, and I, I wish I had the name. I could go check right now, but uh, I, I'm not going to. I got a host. I can't find it. Yeah, but anyway. Caesar, some people say something else. What say you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you is right. Well, what say you, the, CJ? The, the 2S22? Well, yeah. I would uh, refer you to the, uh, the Walter Report <laughs> main account tweet thread about it apparently it's a little bit of a contentious issue i had absolutely no idea about this you know what i'll say is it's a 155 system so basically a nato standard system that they've had and that's why they don't have quite too many of them um was it just that system well i mean it it wasn't it wasn't because at the end of the day they needed um the more advanced uh, rounds specifically the rocket system propellant and excalibur in order to get the range to reach the island so I think they had maybe some own homegrown wrap rounds, but without the uh, Western artillery aid, it, it sort of helped make it a little bit more possible. But uh, some uh, ocean accounts pointed out something quite interesting, which is this river delta area, the only part of the mainland Ukraine that could uh, basically be a good firing position for the artillery to hit Snake Island. On February 25th or February 26th, after Snake Island had fell and the country had just began, Ukraine began building a bridge and they were building a bridge to a beach, which isn't somewhere you normally build a bridge to. But this beach ended up being the firing point for where they would eventually put the artillery. So and this is at least confirmed that they were building a bridge only after the war started. And again, there's no people around here. There's nothing at this area other than a flat spit of land that you can use to shoot at Snake Island. Like that piece of terrain has only one damn purpose. And they did it over the course of, of months and months. So super interesting how like this is a long-term effort. So regardless of what actually shot at Snake Island, you know, the Ukrainians were able to do it. And um, 
you know, there's no way Russia can come back now, which is just the easy part because all they got to do is keep their own one howitzer on that spit of land unless, you know, Russia is able to shoot all mobile howitzers in Ukraine, which they certainly can't do, then uh, they're not going to be able to land anyone on that island again. Do you think that bridge uh, that they made was uh, over troubled water? Or uh, on the River Kwai, perhaps. Maybe. Maybe it's too early. Uh, CJ, you missed Chuck, the Jason fella. And then J- and Major Giroud came on, too. Was, uh, I called you. I didn't text you, but that's okay. We had a good, we had a good talk. I, you were... I got to get to sleep eventually, you know? Right. Not, not always, but... There were there were two Jasons on, and I was like, am I going to... I'm going to have to call him Dr. Smart? Is that what I was going to have to do? Like, he's Dr. Smart, right? Eventually, we need a panel of just... Uh... Just John's, I think that would be good as well. That that would be good, or not? Okay, so I guess we're we're on a little bit of a topic shift here. Uh, so we got a, a few more military audience, uh, or in the on the panel, I should say. So if anyone in the audience has any uh, questions, uh, this might be a good time to uh, tell people to uh, retweet the space. Uh, it's, it really helps us uh, spread the uh, Walter report around and uh, get more people aware of it. Uh, but yeah, if you guys have any questions, uh, CJ loves talking about artillery. Uh, it's, his, it's his favorite topic, I think. Uh, besides, uh, I don't know, CJ. I'm sure you like. I'm sure you like other things, but I know you as the artillery guy. Uh, so yeah, if you guys have uh, any questions, you can come up, uh, raise your hand, and uh, we'd be happy to answer your questions. Uh, thanks. Uh, so uh, thank you, ahead, you Yeah, thank you, Joseph. We're going to just briefly touch on Snake Island and um, and. Uh, some voices in this room who might have said three weeks ago, four weeks ago, it doesn't really matter about Snake Island. Once the Ukrainians want to light it up, they're going to light it up. And there's not much anyone can do about it. So it's just a matter of denial and give it time. And sure enough, uh, CJ was right. No, I'm just kidding. I was right. No, I'm just kidding, CJ. No, we were all kind of right. I mean, it, it's an island that doesn't really do too much except uh, be in the way or cause a lot of things to maintain. And it's uh, probably something we'll see abandoned for the duration of uh, of this conflict, of this invasion. But I mean, if there are any questions specifically about it, I know we have a lot of intel information about it, things that came up. Um, you know, if you'd like, uh, by all means. And then the artillery aspect, what CJ was explaining, the Ukrainians building a special purpose item to do something is pretty, uh, you know, genius. I think it's fantastic. And on that note, let's go to CJ, Anty, and Matt. I, I will say, we got a quick scoop from an operator Starsky stopped by, and he mentioned it. I wish I had some specifics for you, but I was, like, hosting and kind of freaking out. It's my first time. It just showed up out of the blue. But, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to check back on that recording. Uh, sorry, go ahead, CJ. No, I, all I was going to say was I was talking to Alex offline, and, you know, it, I think you guys already talked about the Odessa strikes. Obviously, it's going to be probably – for you know revenge for losing snake island or they're just pissed off or whatever you know hitting a using another precision guided weapon to hit hit just you know a residential building is just so terrible but what's interesting about it is i you know we want more details and we want more details because we want to know hey was this you know from from the sea right from a sub or was this a new pattern that basically uh, russia has to fly with their uh, airdrop cruise missiles right because now that Snake Island's gone, they really have to rely just on their ships to provide early warning and radar and all these other key naval tasks that I'm not an expert in, so I won't pretend to be. But long story short, it's going to change how they hit Odessa in possibly a way that would allow you know 
Ukrainian uh, fighter aircraft to at least intercept more ballistic cruise missiles because they don't have to worry about the air defense systems on the Black Sea. So I was just kind of looking for if we had any more concrete updates on what exactly hit Odessa, because I think in the long term, the loss of Snake Island will force the Russians to change how they end up doing that if they want to keep shooting it all day. I will add to that, CJ. Look, from from some of our, you know, more of the people, from more of the people who are into uh, the naval aspect about uh, the situation, drone operations. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, the, the the Black Sea Fleet is is not even remotely um, uh, interested in engaging anything Ukrainian. Just a lot of singing picked up by them. Um, the island itself is just a very weird. I mean, the reason when people asked us, or, you know. People who know a little bit about um, the overall strategy, why on earth are the Russians taking it? Their honest answer is we have no idea because it's really not that important for them. There's not much more that it's going to give you air defense systems on it, um, considering they can be destroyed so quickly. Our reach is not, juice isn't worth the squeeze. So, is this just more of the Russian military underestimating completely what Ukraine can do? Um, they've seen them do pretty gnarly things in the area. Why are they? Why do they keep doing it? And eventually, it looks like you know cooler heads prevailed on the Russian side, and they just said we just can't keep doing this. It's just a suicide mission. So very, very bizarre behavior. Uh, Anti, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, CJ, are you still on? I think I'm about to get my car repaired. So unfortunately, I might be stuck here with you for a decent amount of time. What's up, Anti? Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that, but. Uh... Let, let me uh, brighten your day a bit. Uh, one of our favorite uh, artillery guys, uh, Thomas uh, C. Thiner, uh, just a couple of hours ago, uh, put up this uh, nice little tweet about the uh, crab, crab in uh, Ukrainian service, the SPG from uh, Poland. And uh, uh, did you uh, notice that tweet? I did. Are you about to uh, mention Thomas's criticism? Because I, I think it's fair. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's relevant to this just in general. Well, uh, sh- should I uh, point out what Thomas is uh, talking about, and then you can uh, you can well, give me, your take on it? Let me let me preface it just because I am a right. total artillery fan. So again, why are we talking about artillery? Well, artillery is you know going to be eighty to ninety percent, at least from the medics we've talked to here on the Walter Report. Eighty to ninety percent of the casualties in this war right now on the on the military side, right? That not the civilians necessarily, but on the military side. Artillery is causing a lot of these casualties. So it's very important that Ukraine can shoot accurately and faster and in large amounts, you know, even more so than the Russians' massive quantities of ammo. So with that in mind, there was a video posted from, I believe, the Ukrainian MOD. It it looked like an official produced video, um, and it had the same subtitling and captions um, similar to the HIMARS video they released. So clearly what was an official video. And so... What uh, Thomas, uh, the uh, our Italian artillery friend, pointed out was that they weren't using the autoloader and, and a couple other key aspects that make the self-propelled howitzer um, so good. And they were loading it by hand, et cetera, et cetera. And that this led them to lead, led them to shooting very slowly. So what I would just say is like this is a this is a common thing with training. Also, we're only seeing one crew system, so. They maybe just caught them on a bad day or maybe, you know, honestly, for the purpose of the videos, um, they wanted to kind of show, um, you know, how strong they were and that they could do it by hand as well. Because it's not so sexy when you're just sitting there and the machine does all the work, picking up the round and putting it in necessarily. So I would just say, let's not be too hard on the Ukrainians, not because we're pro-Ukrainian here, but more so we just don't know everything yet. 
but I will point out that, you know, when you have a system and, and its main benefits are, you know, an auto loader and a lot of technology and, you know, being very quick and having a long range and you're not using that weapon in that capacity, it might just have been cheaper or better to get a little bit lower quality artillery like triple sevens or things that aren't self-propelled uh, if you're not going to necessarily use all the bells and whistles anyways. But I'll leave it at that and see what Antti has to say.